This is the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. And now your host, Avi Kravitz. This podcast is brought to you by De Beers Group Ignite, pioneering a new diamond world through groundbreaking innovation, science, and technology. Inspired by the world's unrelenting change, De Beers Ignite is driven to develop creative solutions for the diamond industry, not only for existing challenges, but also for those it may never have faced before, helping you to achieve growth with efficient and accurate technologies throughout the diamond pipeline. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rapport Diamond podcast. I am Avi Kravitz, and with us in the studio, or the virtual studio again this time, are the members of the Rapport editorial team. So welcome to our esteemed editor-in-chief, Sonia Esther-Saltani. Welcome, Sonia. It's great to see you again. Hi, Avi. Hi, Joshua. Nice to be here. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a, a few weeks or a few episodes, I think. Um, and Joshua Friedman, our news editor, is also with us. So Joshua, it's great to be with you again. Welcome. Hi, Avi. Thanks. Yeah, it's great to be on this. Um, and so there, there's so much going on at the moment in the world, in the diamond industry, um, which is, I think, quite usual for this time of year, no? That um, we, we've effectively started the holiday season. People are, are buying their gifts earlier and definitely thinking about their wish lists, at least. Um, but there is some concern about supply delays, and um, that's something that's not necessarily um, being experienced in the diamond and jewelry industry. There seems to be enough uh, jewelry in the stores for the holiday season, but other products are experiencing these delays. So we thought it would be a fun idea to get a sense of your wish list for the holiday season by going a little bit negative this time and um, seeing what product you don't mind missing out on this year. Let's start off with you, Joshua. What products are you hoping to stay on a ship in the ocean between uh, China and anywhere else? Um, I think my answer is summer. I'm very pleased that, uh, that it's nice and cool now. And I'll be happy summer, summer as a product. A... <laughs> yes, like as the happiest summer could stay on a ship until November okay. next year. Okay, I think I have a related answer to, to that, but we'll, we'll get... We'll get we'll... I hope the cool weather stays and, and doesn't get too extreme for you. Um, what about you, Sonia? I would say any toy that has a very annoying metallic electronic sound, if they can just <laughs> never sell them again, and if grandparents can just never buy them again. <laughs> that's, the <laughs> that's the mother in the room uh, talking. Yeah. Um, I, I, I went for a more of a fashion accessory, actually. I, I get annoyed when I see too many Crocs walking around the streets. And, and so I'm also happy that summer is, uh, is, is over because we, we'll see less Crocs <laughs> being worn. No offense to the, the makers of Crocs. I think uh, where, where I live, at least, they're kind of overdone. So I'm hoping that it'll be a trend that, uh, that gets finally put to bed for this holiday season. I don't know if that's a gifting that's a item or not. That's a very stylish request. That's a very stylish request. Yeah. yeah. Or, or socks and sandals is another one that I just hope people put to, put to bed, at least from a, from a fashion point of view. Not that I'm such a, a fashionista or um, <laughs> the male equivalent, if there is, <laughs> if there is such a thing. Um, but talking about fashionistas, um, Sonia, you, you've done some traveling and, and, and seen a bit of glamour in the last uh, in the last few weeks, really, uh, on your trip to the Jem Genev show, and um, 
maybe you want to give us a, a, a bit of a rundown on what on what you saw. There was a good to be back. Uh, I saw I saw your your Instagram feed just you know filled with you smiling and and trying on jewelry again. It warmed like my beaming. heart. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> it warmed my I'm heart. Back, I'm back on on the show. Thanks, Avi. Um, it was absolutely wonderful to go to Geneva just because, you know, the vibe at Gem Genève is um, what we can describe as a boutique show, estate jewelry, contemporary designers, gemstones, diamonds. Um, they call it the challenging issue for obvious reason that up to two weeks before announcing they were doing the show, they were not sure. And they asked the exhibitors and the exhibitors said, let's do it. Even if we're smaller, if the buyers don't come from Asia, they don't come from the States, we, there's big big need for a show like this and buyers in, in Europe were very keen to attend the show so they had a lot of calls please do organize the show even if it's late in the year it's so close to you know the Christmas holiday season but um, there was a fantastic vibe there so just that was amazing to see people smiling uh, the food traffic was fantastic on the first day uh, I was only there for for a very short time so I didn't see the end of the show but the opening of the show was extremely really good vibe happy people and it seems like there was a lot of business being done as well. So mm. that was exciting. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Gem Genève um, targets a, a, maybe a higher end, um, sort of more, uh, more niche type of um, high end supplier and buyer. Is that, is that, is that an Absolutely. correct uh, assumption? Absolutely, yeah. Avi. Yeah, yes. And you know, the idea of it was people were a bit bored of, um, of uh, Basel World or bored or dissatisfied with Basel World, and they decided that um, they wanted another show that would be a smaller, high-quality, nice family atmosphere. So um, Jem Genève was created th uh, three years ago. Um, yeah, three years ago, to, as an alternative to, uh, to Basel World, and, uh, you know, smaller, um, more family-friendly, if you want, in terms of, you know, uh, the dealers are really well looked after. There's a very nice atmosphere. There's a whole program of talks and lectures. Um, they mix, you know, very up-and-coming designers with more established estate dealers. So it's really beautiful. Um, I'm a big fan, as you can hear. Um, I love the first edition, and uh, I really I was very happy to, to be back to this one. And also because you're in Geneva just before the mag magnificent auctions. So it means that you can pop into the city and see the the previews of what's happening at um, Christie's and, uh, and Sotheby's. Sonia, what was it like as a, a COVID show? I mean, did it feel any different from pre-COVID shows? Well, first you have this tension because you enter, you have to show your green passport, your green pass, everybody's so smiley and happy. And, you know, you have lovely hostesses, um, receptionists at the entrance of the show. And um, you go into the show and then you realize nobody's wearing masks because everybody has been either vaccinated or tested negative before entering the show. So yeah, I felt really like a big relief after this two almost two years of, you know, COVID, 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 mask. Just don't touch people, don't approach two meter distances, and suddenly everybody's hugging and just you know so happy to see each other. So it's that first hug that's um, that's a bit tentative, right? And then it's then you're all in. <laughs> Completely, you still have people doing the elbow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also known as being British, but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, being being French and being in a you know French-speaking land for a few days, I think you know it was a lot of uh, hugging and kissing and and just being generally happy to to see each other. But the, I have to say, the show was very well organized, and they made it in such a way that you didn't feel COVID was there. You just were very you know it, it became like a routine as you enter the show, and 
And also they had a, a shuttle to get you tested for PCR. So everything was done very smoothly, non-intrusive, and, uh, and a very, very pleasant experience. And what about um, sort of the jewelry on display? Did anything stick out for you? Were there any, any particular trends that uh, con- were confirmed for you or, or um, surprised you? You know what? It's a very interesting question because when I spoke to the, the co-founders of the show, and you know, I think that's the question that so many people ask them, what are the trends? You know? And they said there's no trends. The trend is like you, know, you go for good quality and you know, they, they have the, high, the high-end signed pieces. You have the Cartier, the Bel Perron, the, you know, the magnificent yellow diamonds you know, from, um, from a dealer like Scarcelli in New York. So you, know, you have the Peridot that was there with fully gemstones, you know, new stones. So it seems like everything goes as long as it's good quality. I guess high, high quality is timeless and not seasonal. Exactly. You don't see, it's very hard to see a trend. And also because they have this vivarium, which is like the showcase for young designers. I think it's impossible to put them under the same, um, you know, the, the same category. Like they're all high-end, all highly individual, innovative, playing with uh, materials, playing with shapes, playing with themes. So I, I found it very hard. That's actually, that's the beauty of it, that you can't do it like a trend report about it, you know? Mm. Well, so. welcome to my world. Whenever someone <laughs> asks me to identify a jewelry trend, I'm, I'm a bit lost for words, but, <laughs> but um, it's, it's not easy. And sometimes, you know, when, when, uh, when people talk about trends, it, it feels that it's kind of plucked out of, out of midair, you know, um, but that makes sense for the higher end anyway, that those sort of, better quality or, and, and higher priced items are, are timeless. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. And then I would imagine there would have been a nice transition into those auctions that, uh, that you, you had a chance to, to, to have a, a preview of the jewels that were going up at, um, at the Sotheby's and Christie's Geneva, magnificent Geneva um, sales. Yes. Yeah, that was that was great. Except that when I left the office, guys, you remember I said I'm going to see Marie Antoinette diamonds. That was my mission, you know, as a as a French citizen to see a diamonds. Um, Christie's is selling a diamonds today, actually, as we're recording. So by the time people listen right. to this podcast, we'll know exactly for how much they sold. But the estimate is between two and four million dollars, and it's bracelets with 112 diamonds. So it's it's a very very special piece, historic, uh, magnificent. And when I arrived at Christie's, I saw an empty case, only the picture of Marie Antoinette, because they had been out on a on a trip to a client. Wouldn't see your face on uh, no. uh, from that from that <laughs> viewing on Instagram, <laughs> right? No, no, no. A lot of little crying emojis being sent to to few people, but <laughs> nothing else. But no, the, the the sales are fantastic. You know, the previews, the you know, same thing. The the quality of goods in Geneva is exceptional. It's also very nice because they show you the, the previews of their other um, cities. So you have the preview of New York, the preview of Paris, very oh. different style. You can see that different cities have different style. Paris is a bit more wearable, as we say, in you know, 70s, uh, 50s, gold, something that you feel is a bit more artist-led. And uh, I get mm. a bit more excited maybe about Paris sales and the pieces there on offer. But they had, you know, the, as you can imagine, all the beautiful diamonds, beautiful um Tutti fruity pieces, everything was uh, was quite mm. exceptional, and that's Christie's and Sotheby's. Also, quality of the pieces exceptional, but they had more of a cross category approach. So you you enter the room and you had like a massive car, and you had the champagne champagne bar, and you had the Hermes Kelly bag wall, 
So, you know, and um, a very interesting modern artist um, decor to, to set all this together. So very, very different approach. Right. So they, they, they're combining all their, their Geneva auctions, um, exactly. handbags. Um, Which they call the luxury week. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. And, um, and you got to try on some jewels there as well, I'm sure. Yes. And um, I might have even drunk a little bit of champagne on the oh, job. But, you, know. <laughs> right. you didn't get a handbag, though. <laughs> oh, Avi, Avi. <laughs> That's a separate conversation. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Um, We're still waiting for that. And you know, another one of these really huge, expensive diamonds. Now, it seems that you know, everything you're describing is you know, top quality stuff, stories, you know, the jewelry with a story. But five years ago, we, you know, Sotheby's and Christie's were selling 50 carat diamonds for $70 million. Yeah. We're waiting for that still now. Is that, you think that's ever going to come back? I, I think so. I, I mean, Avi, maybe you have also, also your opinion on that, but I, I feel so. And also what I found interesting, it seems like Geneva just was more about um, the stories behind the pieces. So, you know, it's like um, something uh, Sotheby's had uh, so far in diamond jewelry that comes from the Romanov. You have the Marie Antoinette diamonds. You have the the first anniversary bracelet of Wallis um, Wallis uh, Simpson um, that she was given by um, by the former king of uh, of England. So you have a lot of stories behind these pieces. Um, I saw a magnificent diamond. Um, I don't want to get the carat weight wrong, but it was over 110 yellow fancy diamond, and it was part of Sotheby's diamonds. So they also, you know, showcase it, think a bit differently. So maybe there's also a new way to, to sell these big, big diamonds. Um, but I don't know, Avi, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, I think I agree with Joshua that, that we, I mean, we've definitely seen a, um, a few of these really massive um, one-of-a-kind piece, uh, sort of diamond pieces, single stone pieces coming, coming to the market. And we haven't heard of those the, you know, we haven't heard those those sort of pieces um, selling at these auctions for a while. There, there is this um, this uh, I think it's a six point what's it six point seven five carat pink um, heart shaped diamond actually that they were expecting uh, that at Christie's that they were expecting to sell for over ten million for around ten million Swiss franc. But uh, and and that's uh, that's an interesting piece. The, we we don't often see such. Heart shapes um, coming into coming. It's, it's, it's superb, absolutely superb. Did you have a chance to to see that one? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Absolutely superb. <laughs> okay. And I was there I'm, with I'm giving you the tools to gloat. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I have some. I mean, I think I think everyone was very kind to me, and they thought, you know, she the Marie Antoinette diamonds were a bit of a sore point, so <laughs> right. they they really indulged me with everything else, and they had a lot to you know to compensate for this one, but the. The pink yeah, diamond was yeah. absolutely exceptional, and I was there with um, one of our colleagues from our Antwerp office, who you know checked it with a loop, and you know was absolutely marveling at mm. the the quality of that mm. stone. And and it seems actually that that heart shapes are having a bit of a moment. It's not it's not the most popular shape, or, or to everyone's fancy. Excuse the pun there. And um, I mean, Joshua, you've been looking into the fancy shape market for for the last issue of the Rapport magazine, and and came. To some interesting con- conclusions, fancy shapes in general are having a bit of a moment in the market at the currently. Yeah. Well, firstly, Avi, um, let me congratulate you on that transition. That was clever. Um, <laughs> I, I um, it was I did, unintentional. Yes, 
we've been noticing sort of at Rappaport the rising prices for fancy shapes for pretty much the whole of this year. Um, and it's been coming up uh, quite frequently. So I, I thought I'd try to, to look into a, firstly whether this was happening and why it's happening, partly with the help of uh, Shimon Gerstensang, who's our kind of markets and pricing expert at Rappaport. Um, and what, we, what, you know, what, what I found was that, that the growth in prices of fancies has outpaced that of rounds, especially, well, specifically in the smaller, the smaller stones, so under half a carat, so up, up to half a carat. So we're talking about sort of to pairs, for example, uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the 12 months from September 2020 to September 20, 2021, uh, our price index, the, the RAPI price index, for pear-shaped diamonds, half a carat, grew 21%. So that's compared with 5% for, for rounds. So that's quite a significant difference. And what people in the market have been telling me is that partly this was a, a technical market thing. So when, when the market recovered uh, after the, the, the COVID crisis last year, uh, initially the, the recovery was in rounds. So manufacturers started producing a lot of rounds polishing a lot of rounds and fewer fancies. So that, that left a bit of a lag where we then had very few fancies on the market. And then when that element, that mm. sector of the market started to kind of catch up, there was no supply. So that's why, that's one of the explanations that I got that there was for, for, for why prices have gone up so much. And it's also the, the fact that US consumers want something unique now. And also manufacturers are getting better and better at making their fancy cuts. Good. So in the past, it was really a fancies was a way of maximizing yield. So I mean, this is different for different shapes, but mm. they're more efficient than rounds. Rounds you lose a lot of yield. You, you you lose a lot of the rough. Whereas fancies give you the potential to keep a lot of the the weight. But what manufacturers were telling me was that that's not so much the case anymore. They they now want to make the best quality cut, and they're they're being successful at making very good quality cuts. So the best cut grade you can get in, or the best I guess you call it cut grade that you can get for, for fancies is the double X. You can't have a triple X for fancies for right. various reasons. Um, so that's excellent, uh, excellent polish and excellent symmetry. So that's improving the the appeal. Are um, consumers aware of that? Of that, and and it's improving the appeal of um, of fancies. I would imagine it's more of a marketing play, really. Right. I don't know whether consumers are aware of the technicalities, um, but they're aware of the fact. I mean, they must be aware of the fact that these diamonds look good. Um, and also they're seeing celebrities wearing it. I mean, uh, I, uh, there's a few, a few well-known celebrities that have been spotted in uh, fancy cut engagement rings, wearing fancy cut engagement rings in the last few years. I admit that before I wrote this article, I hadn't heard of most of these. You can name drop. Emily Ratajkowski. Did I get the pronunciation right? Emily Ratajkowski. I'm going to say Markle. yes. <laughs> Obviously, Meghan Markle, I know she is. And, and uh, Ariana Grande. Uh, they, they all, uh, they, they've all been wearing uh, fancy shape engagement rings. Mm. And uh, dealers are also saying that they, the retailers are asking for more specific specifications now. There's, there's not, you know, they, they used to just say, I just want a nice looking fancy shape. And now they're saying, no, I want a double X or I want, I want this color and this mm. clarity. So it's... Um, in some ways, it's kind of taking on some of the characteristics of the round market. Right. It's it's very interesting. Um, I mean, we, I think I think certainly from a marketing point of view, I am picking up more 
uh, more jewelers um, pushing um, fancy shapes as a as an alternative um, in bridal as well. Right. Um, and and I think we are seeing more. Uh, you know, uh, you know, the marquee we know is being is being highlighted as a as a um, as sort of a shape of the year almost. You know that. Um, and 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 I think you know Sonia, you can you can maybe comment on this that uh, marquees we're seeing more of these um, these alternative shapes in the in the bridal market. Absolutely, and also um, emerald cut as well, and uh, even like you know um, trillions shield portrait. I mean, you know that seems like because we there's so much more um, desire for individuality and something you know nobody wants the the same engagement ring as their mother. And the generation that mm-hmm. has gone, you know, was very much like the the brilliant cut, you know, maybe like a three 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 a three um diamond ring. But it seems like everybody wants a cut that is a bit more um that you know that is just more st- outstanding, and maybe we'll have also a different setting and use different shapes. So that's why we saw a lot of um, when we did a bridal issue in October. Actually, a lot a lot of the top designers are are going, you know, for for this fancy cut. So. That that is very interesting, and Joshua's article was excellent because he he put it in a perspective, you know, from the dealers mm. and the manufacturers as well, not just the the style and you know what we see like the celebrities are wanting something more individual and distinct. Thank you. One one of the India manufacturers I spoke to said that his that fancy in 2015 fancy shapes accounted for about five percent of his production, his polished production, and now it's about sixty percent. So you can see it's really changing the way people are operating. Mm. That's a new generation. I think you know you you have to sell them something that they feel they they just love and they relate to in different ways. And you know, and as much as the brilliant cut as gives you know an amazing light and really the facets, everything is is beautiful for the diamond. But that's not what a lot of young people are looking for. So it's interesting that you say that about the 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 manufacturers, um, the proportion of fancies that make up his his total production. Because um, I think we saw this also in in fancy colors at one stage earlier a, a few years ago that there was a, a shift in manufacturers and dealers entering that market and seeing an opportunity and that pushed prices up as well. It, it, it created some competition for for fancy colors, um, and as with fancy colors, so 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 I think would be true for fancy shapes that there is maybe a limited supply. You know, not all rough can be cut into fancy shapes. Is that is that a uh, is that correct, Joshua? Well, I would say, I mean, I haven't I haven't studied that specific issue, but I would I would guess that the on the spectrum of rarity, the fancy colors are further along than fancy shapes because you can, as, mm. although as you say, it's limited what what stones can what rough stones can be cut into a fancy shape. But still, if you you, you can if you want to, you can take most stones and make it into a into a fancy shape it just might not be the best way of cutting that stone whereas you can't right other than through a treatment you can't make a diamond pink mm. <laughs> right and uh, and and there's so many considerations that go into that um decision mm. you know the they're ultimately looking for for the best yield out of the rough um out of the rough diamond um, yeah so th- i think that's uh, yeah it's, i mean I, I would encourage everyone to read joshua's article it was also in the october magazine that complemented that bridal theme and it's available on on diamonds.net as well it's um uh, joshua you brought um i think about four or five um as uh, four or five factors that are driving the the fancies market and um it's well worth uh, worth a read 
yeah, number five will blow your mind. <laughs> it will. We left that, I think it's the one that you left out, so we'll we'll keep them okay. guessing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Also available on on now on uh, juryconnoisseur.net. Oh, awesome. Okay, so I think we've gone through all our our products to pl- plug them. Maybe we'll throw it in the research report as well at some point. Maybe we can. Joshua <laughs> can read it with his lovely British accent as a kind of you know audio audio book or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe the next episode of the podcast will just be Joshua's. Um, <laughs> but we do have good plans for the for future episodes. Um, I think um, we're running out a, a little bit of um, short on time, so. We'll maybe go to a um, our, our next segment, which is our sort of hits and misses. Um, we were going to talk about the synthetics market a bit, but I've got a feeling that maybe one of us will bring it up in what stories are are um, standing out for you in the in the news feed, whether they're good or bad or both. You can mention a miss or a hit if you like. Um, has uh, anything stood out um, for you, Sonia, in the last week or two or three? I was quite interested in De Beers launching a big campaign, you know, called I Do. Um, I think, you know, we are in the age of commitment and um, we don't want to use the word bridal as such anymore. I think, you know, that's what everybody's saying. So, of course, De Beers doesn't want to use that word anymore. And I think that campaign is is very interesting how they they try to cover every type of relationship and um, people in real situations. And this I Do you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure if I'm completely on board with it. But, you know, I think that's an interesting approach, you know, after Diamonds Are Forever and, you know, maybe something more, how do you say, more coming from the marketer telling people Diamonds Are Forever. But I do, I think, is bringing the consumer back into the story. So I think that's a, that's a very, interesting, uh, very interesting campaign. Yeah, I also had mixed feelings about it um, and particularly with about the the shying away from categorizing bridal um, and that's been a trend that's been going on for for a number of years even uh, you know Tiffany was um was doing it about three years ago also looking at uh, sort of calling it commitment jewelry rather than um engagement or bridal and um and m- my first impression was that ah this is a bridal campaign because of the the wording is i do um but then they brought in and it is to an extent because they're bringing in a, a broader range of couples that um, that might say I do, but it also focuses on the individual, very you know, in a strong way, you know, be it men or women who are committing to different things and uh, and can use diamond jewelry in in that way. So it, it is interesting, and it's um, but that whole shift away from sort of using the term bridal i uh, maybe i'm a little old fashioned but um <laughs> i'm not sure if it's that necessary i think everyone relates to weddings to relates to that that sense of commitment but uh, but i i'm not sure it'll be very interesting to see because when we speak to retailers a lot of them say we don't they don't want to use bridal anymore but at the same time it goes into two camps i think and some say that's our bread and butter and of course they want to you know bridal is so important to mm. their business so mm. I think I think that's interesting that Dubius took this approach, and uh, uh, you know we'll, we'll see. I guess in a, in a few months where where that took them. Yeah, Joshua, what's uh, what has stood out for you in the last few weeks? So we had a story yesterday that Gemfields, uh, which is a gemstone miner, had found the largest emerald yet from its uh, from its mine in Zambia. Um, the the miner's called I think I hope I've got this pronunciation right, Kajem. 
and this stone was 7,525 carats, and they called it the Chipembele, or, which means rhino in the local language. And the reason they gave for this name was because the person who found it, the miner who found it, when he spotted it, he said, look at this rhino horn. Um, so I was just wondering well, if I were to find an emerald that size, what would they call it? Um, maybe the <laughs> wowsers, or the, I don't know. Well, it depends what you exclaim when you, exactly, yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you find it. I think if I found an emerald that big, it wouldn't be publishable, I would say. Right. <laughs> you, you would do a runner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Joshua, my, my wish to you is that you have that experience and, uh, and, you've, <laughs> and you manage to find a, an emerald or other gemstone, um, including diamond, over 7,000 carats. It, would be, it must be. Next time I'm hiking in the forest, I'll keep my eyes open. Keep your eyes, eyes um, peeled. Yeah. What caught your attention, Evie? What, what did you think was... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I was well. Well, two things. The first was the um, the we we wrote a story about a cyber attack at graph um, at graph diamonds, and this is something that I think is is unfortunately going to be more common, and that uh, everyone should be aware of that um, and and uh, understand how one can um, prevent it or or or, pro, or protect one's business from such cyber attacks. And I thought that was quite op- eye opening. Um, and then I also thought it was worth just mentioning the the lab grown market that um I think we've seen some again some interesting developments there firstly um they the the lab grown sector seems to be becoming more organized and more um with the uh, relaunch of the of igda it's called the international grown diamond association I'm glad I remembered that correctly. And um, and secondly, with the, a few um, interesting developments at um, at Lightbox, the the De Beers brand, uh, Joshua, you picked up that they are now disclosing um, treatments of their Lightbox jewelry uh, with through their sales, which is something they didn't do before. And and also that um, there was a, an interesting story on the JCK website, my friend Rob Bates, who. Um, who un- uh, uncovered that um, that uh, Lightbox is is um, supplying Pandora now with some off-record con- confirmations, and that's um, that's an interesting development. Was Pandora going into lab grow- lab grown was a very public announcement and very um, got a lot of press and was was semi-controversial for the industry or, or, or worrisome for the industry. And I think this is. I'm finding that who's teaming with who is is kind of interesting in that space, but um, it's uh, definitely something to again keep an eye on. Um, so we'll we'll end today's show with as as Sonia mentioned, going a bit more positive on a positive note in terms of our wish list, and uh, again in Joshua's words, what um, would you say? And in light of the De Beers campaign, what would you be hoping to say? I do to in this holiday season what's uh, and you can't say world peace and you can't say and and you know that everyone should stop using plastic it's a personal you can be selfish on this answer <laughs> um so joshua let's start with you um i really need a, a new um a new shower rail so uh, i would say i do to a new <laughs> sorry to a new <laughs> We weren't and expecting that, up. and you're a man who's easy to please. So um, it's not so easy to find a good, a good shower rail. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Tell us, Joshua. 
we got one that you fix with pressure. You just you put it up and you climb up on a ladder, put it up, t- screw it so it stays with pressure, and it, it fell down. And you, <laughs> and you shower with you shower with one hand. <laughs> this is actually for the the bathroom that the guests use. Oh, okay, I, I think that's completely attainable. Uh, I, I, I may even I, I may even um, fulfill your wish for you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and uh, and Sonia. If you can beat that, we'll. Uh, I can't. I can't have you. I'm we'll, going to. We'll get to, it to you. It, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the problem of having been in Geneva and so, seen so many things. You want everything. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> and, and my husband had like palpitations every time I send him a picture on our, on our Telegram chat. <laughs> he was like, oh, for what do you want this one? For Rosh Hashanah, for the synagogue, for. 50th birthday, you know, so uh, <laughs> he asked me the price of a few things and the conversation just stopped. Um, but if I had, I'd tell you something actually, well, I would love to, and I need to, to save money and that's going to be my I do present for myself, but I really want a, something that is from a designer that's called René Boivin, that, you know, it's not doing jewelry anymore, but it's a big, big house. And I saw so many pieces that I felt were just exceptional and exciting and the design is timeless and um, and that's that's what I would like I would like a piece of uh, jewelry history so even if it's tiny tiny like little earrings or a tiny pinker you know finger finger ring pinky ring that's what I would like okay so if they're listening <laughs> um we do accept swag and uh <laughs> and you can make a jewelry connoisseur very happy <laughs> in Sonia, if you send it, just a pinky ring, <laughs> just tiny, but like beautifully designed, you know, like with the the French mark, everything from maybe the thirties, fifty, you know, that that would, that would make me happy. I feel I feel decadent after after Joshua's request. Please, have you bring us back to? <laughs> I'm I'm going to focus on uh, on Joshua's um, requ- request in my in my holiday uh, buying, <laughs> if there is such a thing. Um, for me, sure, I, I haven't given much thought into it, but I, I, um, I do need to, not need to, I would love to bring some more artwork into my apartment and uh, make it more colorful and, and stylish. So I'm looking for a, um, a design consultant, maybe, an uh, interior design consultant to help me out on that. So that would maybe be my simple, maybe it, it's in the middle of your spectrums. Right. In terms I, of the extravagance. Yeah. I was going to say I'm here to help. <laughs> thanks, Joshua. We'll do a trade. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for a, a great discussion. It's been a lot of fun as always with, uh, with you both. And we'll see you, see you next time. Have a, have a great rest of the week, Sonia. Um, Thank thanks you so much, Avi. That was great fun to be back. And same to you, Joshua. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Abby. It was good fun. All right. Thanks, everyone, and keep listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Ignite, a full-service innovation science and technology division within the De Beers Group, spearheading step change throughout the diamond industry.